9 o'clock. Do you know where your memes are? We at Destroy All Clickbait will guide you through the jungle of cyberspace and point out the poisonous and rash-inducing species of the post-capitalist pixelscape. Um, as I'm Adam, with me as always are Ing and Avi. And, uh, hello. So, getting right into it, as we were just about to do, we're, uh, we're looking at the, uh, Ing has a term for it. Ing, would you like to tell us the term you've invented here? Yes, I believe, uh, Avi had in a segment that we're going to call not traversy. And it is. It is. What is the not what is the not traversy about? Henry Cavill is not gonna be Superman anymore in the DC universe. Movie universe. (laughs) Because that is I see now it's weird how everyone's there's two things that are weird about this. One is I kind of thought they announced that like last week, and somehow everyone's catching up with it. But maybe it was just I, a rumor last I week. Think it might have been a rumor because I know The Witcher was announced maybe last week or if not the week before. So yeah. it's possible that they were trying to figure out the two things, and then it was like we can't figure it out. So now they're like he's not gonna be in the movies. So ah, that might be okay. what it is. <laughs> All right, makes sense. Um, and um. But the other thing to me that's funny is just, I was going to tweet this and it just occurs to me, just everyone is dragging the hell out of DC now and going like, well, that sure didn't work, ha ha ha. Oh, DC doesn't know what it's doing, DC blah blah blah. But I see every indication this is part of writing the ship. Nothing against Henry Cavill. Uh, I don't think he was the problem. No. But I think this is part of the shakeup that they're going, that, that because they do realize it's not working and they're trying to fix it, basically. Yeah, but it um, is the final admission to, yeah, uh, it, it's flatlined. We done bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we done bad, right. let's fix. Um... Because, like, I think with the reaction to the Shazam trailer is a good indication that, like, okay, maybe the grim dark thing isn't what we should be doing. Because right. so... it seems like everything they've got coming up is pretty lighthearted. Like, Aquaman does not look too grim and gritty. I know the Wonder Woman sequel is going to be set in the 80s, and it looks like it's much more light than the first one. Right, which and, wasn't uh... a particularly dark movie, by all accounts. Um... It wasn't the brightest I mean, it... movie, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't properly grim dark either in my opinion yeah they were they were lighting it lightening it up a little but yeah it, it was still like it was kind of a bleak and mug uh, well it was world war one it's hard to to do a positive right. spin on world war one I. I have to so. admit i am still kind of disappointed we didn't get like a decade earlier so we could just have like Wonder Woman in Studio Fifty One or whatever it was called. Oh my called. god! Yeah, <laughs> just staying alive, just staying alive, but with Wonder yeah. Woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, god. they should have said it in 1977. Actually, that would have been best. Yeah. So the fear, the theory everyone's having about the fact that it's set in the 80s is that they want to do. Uh, they want to make it about the Cold War. Just as she was in World War One, mm. now she's in the Cold War, and she's going to be stopping the Cold War single-handedly mm-hmm. this time, or whatever uh, she's going to be doing. But yeah, like that's that's the... And I mean, you could do the Cold War in the 70s, too, though. That's yeah, I was going to say that, like, technically, you could do the Cold War at any point in time um, yeah. after World but War the, II, but, so... Yeah. But hey, Stranger Things is hot, so we gotta cash in on the 80s, is, what, is probably the thing. Yeah, that's probably the actual mindset, is that like we're having all this nostalgia stuff for the 80s and 90s, so we should 
do all the stuff for the 80s and 90s. <laughs> there's, there's, and, and it's funny that Chris Pine is coming back for that. I have uh, this guy on Twitter who's very good. You should follow him. His, his name's Volondar at VK underscore HM is his Twitter feed. But he says, uh, he said earlier today, so Star Trek might be losing Chris Pine. Uh, DC wrote Chris Pine out by killing him in Wonder Woman, but now they keep bringing him back. And then they wrote Henry Cavill back in, but they lost him. <laughs> so Chris Pine and Henry Cavill are both playing round robin right now with all kinds of weird Yeah, things. just a little bit, but nah. <laughs> there, there are two personalities that I don't really care about in comparison no. to like all of the other millions of personalities that are in these superhero movies at this point. So it's just right. kind of like, ah, eh. Well, but Chris Pine is was good. He was a good part of Wonder Woman, I thought. Don't you think? Yeah, no, no, he wasn't bad by any means. But it's also just kind of like, well, so is he going to be playing his own son or something now? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> are they going? Are they going to make his character also uh, the uh, the DC movie version of Resurrection Man? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just going to be a thing that he dies in each movie and comes back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if his if her villain is... Actually, I think the villain in this one's the cheetah, so I don't know what kind of weird supernatural thing would be happening that might bring him... Because I'm pretty sure he is playing Steve Trevor again. Huh. Um, like, it is specifically Steve Trevor come back somehow, and I... Yeah, I, I, I think that's a don't Steve... know enough about the cheetah, unfortunately, so... Steve Trevor! I thought you died! I didn't! <laughs> and also, I didn't age for 70 years, Yeah. <laughs> No, it was, I, it was. I want that to be the only answer. He just angrily says no, <laughs> <laughs> and with just such a tone that it's clear that there are no follow-up questions. Welcome, just <laughs> no to this topic. I thought you died. No. <laughs> Yeah. Why is there a watermelon there? I'll tell you later. That's why I died. But I've I've heard people argue uh, convincingly that you know Steve Trevor is to Wonder Woman as Lois Lane is to Superman, and it's he's kind of important to the mythos because he's you know he's he's the uh, you know he's the mortal who loves the the you the know super. the demigod yeah, yeah. and he sort of represents. A, you know, the best of humanity that Wonder Woman is fighting for just the way Lois Lane represents the best of humanity that Superman is fighting for and that lo they they love them. And also, I always found it interesting that both Lois Lane and Steve Trevor are, like, characters who could... Like, they're essentially action heroes, adventure heroes of the time, mm -hmm. but without the superhero stuff. Yep. But then they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, respectively, who is the next level beyond that but they can absolutely support their own stories if they had to because they're you know he's a fighter pilot and she's a reporter and those were both common sort of adventure protagonists in in that era and yeah even beyond yeah so. yeah um well i would say that's less so for diane and steve in comparison to clark and lois because there's never really been a version of clark that didn't have lois there and with right. Diane, they've they've played around with Steve a little bit, but they've definitely done versions of Diane that didn't have Steve as a focal point. So, yeah. 
Um, oh, that's true. That's true. But she, he's basically been there more or less. Like, he was in the original Golden Age comics. Yeah. You know, he keeps coming back. So yeah. it's not... They keep using him, but I wouldn't say that he's a he's the same sort of constant in comparison to Lois Lane, who is yeah. always, pretty much yeah. always in the Superman comics. But, so... but I think you can argue that Wonder Woman has lost her way once or twice over the years. Like, oh, yeah, she no. Became a Kung it's, Fu and it just comes down to shitty writing most of the time, if I'm yeah. honest. And that could be well, true yeah. about any of any superhero character, let's yeah. be fair. So For sure. <clears throat> but I mean, Wonder Woman, like, Superman's always basically been Superman. Wonder Woman became a kung fu secret agent who fought a Frankenstein for a while in the 60s. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, you know, they Okay, they but where did it go it. wrong? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe not wrong, but it was a different character, anyway. Yeah, so, they, they, tried, they tried to modernize her in ways that didn't really make sense. Um, because yeah. they they didn't want to lose her as a character because of contract reasons, I believe. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it was the 50s. And, I mean, it was very much, as people said, if they thought to maybe stretch out and get, like, a female writer, maybe it might have actually been good. <laughs> but they, you know, it was being written by dudes. And by Robert Kaniger, I believe, is the guy who wrote Wonder Woman the most in the Silver Age. And right. he was just a throw-everything-at-the-wall-and-see-what-sticks kind of writer, from right. what I understand. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, though. One of Wonder Woman's biggest problems is mm -hmm. uh, less of a rogues gallery, or at least right. a recognizable yeah. one. And if they had just kept up fucking Kung Fu Frankenstein, that yeah. would have helped. <laughs> yeah. I will fully admit that she does not have an iconic uh, villain the way Superman yeah. and Batman both do. Kind of, right. in certain ways, to the detriment, because I do think the Joker is stupidly overplayed at this point, but... Well, oh, Batman has, like, 800 Batman. Exactly, so, so it's okay for yeah. Batman, but Clark will always have Lex, no matter what. <laughs> right. like, and I think Superman has an underrated rogues gallery, personally. And oh, yeah. Flash has a bunch. Yeah. Right, and I, what are, here's, here's the thing that I made it, uh, where Superman sometimes seems like he's lacking. Superman does not have a strong B-ranking supervillains. He has mm. strong A. He has a couple strong A-ranking ones, right? Like a very mm -hmm. iconic, visible, and a couple of ones that are obscure but fan favorites. But's lacking the good, like middle ground, where like with mm. Batman, there is just representation across the spread. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I. I mean, it's it's. I, I'm always to me. I'm weird in that the Superman that really got me into Superman mm -hmm. was. Um, the animated series, okay. which people don't like as much as Batman or the Justice League cartoon, but I really like the animated series. And I think they did a really good job with this rogues gallery on that. They yeah. had um, It's been a while since had... I've watched it, but I yeah. don't remember well, not liking it, so there's that. Well, like, they made Toy Man great. Uh -huh. like, their version of Toy Man was amazing and very creepy, honestly. Uh, they did, uh, they created Livewire, who's a really good uh, new character, who mm -hmm. never really got her due anywhere else, but on the show they, they treated her well. Mm -hmm. um, par they did a really good job with Parasite, who's a, uh, you know, so I would argue he was, and of course they had Mix Flick and uh, Bizarro, uh, whether you count them as even villains, I don't know. <laughs> They're more <laughs> annoyances than anything in some ways. But um, I think they had a strong bench on in in the way they handled them in the animated series. And Met their version of Metalo, I don't know if he's, you, Ng, you'd consider him an A or a B or a C-lister, but... Uh, I'd, I'd put Metalo as actually he's 
kind of he's one of Superman's few bees. You, yeah. Like he fits that good category. Like I would say that the A ones are the ones that you associate as like arch nemesis, and they're going to lead like big arcs. And yeah. then the right. C stories are people who can <clears throat> fill like uh, kind of can fill filler stories or short fluff stories, and the Bs are somewhere in between them. Right. Right. Or uh, yeah, and then you have like the Ds that are like the really obscure or gag ones. <laughs> right. Right. The yeah, there's some. Some weird ones there. Like, uh, D rank is where you get, like, Condiment King. (laughs) Who's a Batman villain. Well, what about Titano the Super Ape? Where does he fall? (laughs) Is he a B, B, C, or D? Huh. See, I'm (laughs) on the spot there. In terms of, like, obscurity, I would put D. Right. And in the sense, no, and also in the sense that there's not too many stories you can tell with Titano no. the Super Ape. <laughs> no, that's true. Like he, you can tell one, and it's basically Superman versus King Kong. Yeah, which is it, clearly what they had in mind when they created. And it's it's that he sort of fills the role of like um, what is it, the Ice Giant, or the right. the like the Comet Giant from the classic Superman one of like the giant the like giant alien in, trapped in the comet and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, that it fills the role of, like, this is kind of a one-shot monster. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But going back to Wonder Woman's Rogue Gallery, somebody actually posted up a bunch of them, and it's just kind of like, while I recognize most of those names, a lot of people would not recognize any of them, especially in comparison to Batman or Mm -hmm. Superman, who in all likelihood probably predominated the kind of media sphere that Wonder Woman unfortunately hasn't. Like, people know of Wonder Woman but they don't know what she fights for or who she has actually fought. Unlike Batman or Superman, people can at least name one, if not two or three of their villains. You know? Yeah, Yeah, I think Cheetah is the most recognizable due to the super friends. Correct. Cheetah, and then maybe Ares, if they've watched enough of Justice League Unlimited. (laughs) Well, and the movie. And the movie. Yeah, Yeah. and the movie as a result. But prior to the movie, those would be the main two that most people could probably name, if that, whereas people can pretty much rattle off all everything from every single Batman movie, and that would still work. And yeah. um, well, to, it, to the point I mean, that Lego be... Batman literally did that as a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. So these are so, all real. Look them up. Well, it's not that she doesn't have a good rogue rogues gallery. She doesn't have an iconic one that people will necessarily remember, right. and that might change over the next few years, well, just because she is getting the... that traction now. Yeah, I, I would argue that a lot of people didn't know. Like, if you weren't a comic book reader. Until about 1977, mm-hmm. you might not know that much about Superman. You probably knew what he looked like, you knew the general deal, but you might not have even known like his origin, or you might not have known like like it, the movie really cemented a lot about Superman, right? Um, and Wonder Woman. The only media up till now was the Linda Carter show, and a lot of people have never even seen that, or they've uh, seen like know, little was... clips of it, which is mostly just her transforming. So right, and I. I 
as far as I know, they didn't cement a whole mythology with that, um, with the show. So that's what that's part of why. What and like Batman had 1966 Batman to yep. cement all the villains and all that. So it's like we can say, oh, Wonder Woman's comics never created blah blah blah. But I mean, in a, in a real sense, Batman's comics weren't. It was just that he had a show very early on that cemented him in the popular consciousness, and then Superman had a movie. Right. So it's now that we're finally getting the Wonder Woman movies, we are cementing her villains and everything exactly uh, yeah you know and there's nothing inherently wrong with it like I, again a lot of superman villains and even batman's villains they're pretty stupid really oh yeah they no, totally and you work on them like lex Luthor was kind of dumb arguably until john byrne really yeah. hooked him up uh, and made him really iconic um you know brainiac was a I mean, I like him, but let's face it, he's silly. The Silver Age Brainiac is pretty silly, but now he's become this really effective villain. So it's it's like all those. And like I think Ares is actually, uh, you know, the movie did okay with him. But, I mean, it, it, he makes sense as Wonder Woman's villain because he is the symbol of war. He's kind of a symbol of the patriarchy. He's tied to Greek mythology. You know, there's a lot of logical things that make him a good villain for Wonder Woman. Right. right? So. It's just kind of weird because as far as the DC Trinity goes, you have these three characters and you think they all have equal billing, but at the end of the day, right. Wonder Woman has just not as had as much attention compared to Superman and Batman, and that's part of the reason why her rogue yeah. galleries, quote-unquote, sucks. It doesn't actually yeah. suck, it's just that not enough attention has been put towards it, yeah. that's all. Yeah, I so. would actually think- say in terms of kind of should be A-listers, but they're not in enough of the public knowledge... Right to like mm-hmm. get there, probably Doctor Psycho and Giganta should definitely mm-hmm. be listed as that because yeah. they are very good persistent villains. Right, <laughs> Giganta, yeah, yeah, that's right. And which uh, the I chat mean, is going Floyd? nuts that we forgot to mention Giganta. Well, in particular, <laughs> one person is going nuts for very specific reasons, which I will not get into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I mean, with <laughs> when you've got a character like yeah. Because that's the thing, Giganta, isn't Giganta's origin that she was, like, a monkey and got turned into a giant cave girl? Okay, um... I think it depends, but I believe her current origin, apparently, is that she was bullied. (laughs) Okay, no, I literally opened the wiki page because I thought she was a Wonder Woman thing, but I wanted to check and make sure that she didn't originate fighting the Atom. Okay, Uh, right. she's also commonly there, too, because they are both... Uh, I'm trying to think of a way of saying size fetish comic characters without <laughs> saying it, so just moving ahead. In, like, the original biography, she is, uh-huh. like, a scientist who mm-hmm. has, like, a disease and wants to uh, use Wonder Woman's, like, super essence or something to heal herself, and the experiment goes wrong, and she winds up getting her consciousness trapped inside a gorilla... And then later, either the gorilla becomes the giant human there, or she transfers it again into another body that has the size-changing powers. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Wow. Because I actually remember on the Justice League cartoon, they did do a joke where Giganta talked about, oh, here's me when I was younger, and they show a picture of a monkey. Yeah. Or an ape, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, so that it, they 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 didn't keep that out, but they just threw it as, in as a tiny little joke. I yeah, think they've since retconned the... it because they realized this might be questionable. So, in the cartoon, they had it. I guess they implied this origin, but they just mentioned that 
uh, Gorilla Grodd had turned her from a, I think that it was a chimp in that, into the size-changing giant woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, yes. given that yeah. it's intentionally, like, it is consciously used as a character point that Gorilla Grodd has a fetish for human women, that was very oh. disturbing. Oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Like, Aww. like, no, like, it is a persistent thing in Justice League that Gorilla Grodd dates human women. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's very oh, subtle, but that is true. <clears throat> I mean, fair enough, but yes, let's not, <laughs> let's not get into it. They dealt with it exactly as much as they should deal with it on the show, which was in a five-second gag and then move on. Yeah, basically. yeah, pretty much. Um, but I think they've since retconned that, so that way she was just somebody who experimented on herself, yeah. and now well, she they've... has these size-changing abilities. Yay! I mean, DC has retconned everything about oh, yeah. 50 times in the last 15 years, so I feel like, <laughs> you know, there's no point in talking about retcons, because they're yeah. just going to retcon it again. Exactly. In, in well, anyway, it's because, so. you know, yeah. one character's origin doesn't stay okay forever, so right. that's what but it I is. Mean, Except that's... Peter Parker's. Except yeah. Peter Parker's, yeah. His is the only one yeah. that does, somehow. <laughs> well, even then, the movies, like the, the Andrew Garfield movie tried to tweak it a bit and make it... He, they, they left out the part where he tries to be a professional wrestler and just... Well, he falls his... into a, an abandoned wrestling ring. So they, so they did a nice twist on it, in my opinion. So... Did he? Yeah. I actually missed that. But... Yeah, he but falls. I, I... He falls like through a ceiling or something, and it's yeah. he falls into a ring, and there's like luchadors but... all around him, and he's like, "Oh, I should wear a mask. That would be smart." <laughs> and then <laughs> Michael Caine tells him, "Mr. Parker, why do we fall?" <laughs> so we can rise again. You were born. To... I was. You merely embraced the spider. I was born. You merely adapted to the lucha. I was born in it. <laughs> I was a man. Was. I was a man grown before I saw the outside of the ring, and it blinded me. <laughs> it fits so well. He is a lucha. Oh God. <laughs> Although not that version of him, so I don't know. But <sighs> yes, I miss lucha Bane. I... Now he's just gas mask. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, so yes, uh, the DC universe being reshaped by Henry Cavill's uh, departure. Like I say, it's the the next. If I'm not mistaken, it's Aquaman, uh, Shazam, and then Wonder Woman sequel. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just laughing at the idea that this is a very stupid thought. Of, what if in the next installment they make Superman have a mustache? But he's played by someone who doesn't have a mustache, so they have to see it in. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, they're never going to live that down, are they? No! They'll never live it down. And it's so amazing. I suppose I also could have done the joke that for The Witcher, they're going to have to CG a bearded mustache onto Henry. Oh, God. (laughs) I know nothing, yeah. I know nothing about The Witcher, so I don't know if it's appropriate if he has a mustache or not. But uh, yeah, Geralt like of Riviere usually has a beard and mustache. Yeah, he usually Fair has enough. a full beard and mustache. He's also usually like salt and pepper, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. But, yeah. Fair enough. 
Well, that's. <laughs> but as I say, it just it is hilarious that they they made like it was clearly just one studio. Oh yeah. Fucking with the other. Definitely. <laughs> oh, he, he contractually he has to keep his mustache, even though you need to do reshoots on Justice League. Yeah. He can't lose. He can't shave off his mustache. Like, Despite the fact that it would do- be far cheaper just to put on a fake mustache. <laughs> I know. Why couldn't he just put on a fake? I'm sorry that back the, um, for those of you who don't know, with the uh, Henry Caravall was doing uh, two movies, and they called him back to do some reshots for Justice League, but he had grown out a mustache for the other movie, and the other studio said that contractually he cannot shave his mustache, and they uh-huh. stuck firm to that point. There's no reason why they should have, except to yeah. fuck with the other studio and make them spend money CGIing it out. The other movie was the Mission Impossible movie. Okay, that yeah. Mission came Impossible. Out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, get how many movies are there with Henry Cavill having a mustache? But um, he and, and apparently it was literally in his contract that yeah. he could not shave his mustache. Yeah, for <laughs> some strange reason, his character me. character needed to have a mustache. Like I don't know. The only thing I, I can think of is because he would have a mustache and Tom Cruise wouldn't, just in case people got the two of them confused, which doesn't make I, any sense, because, like, I'm I, pretty sure Henry Cavill has, like, two feet on Tom Cruise. So. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining right. it like a Gallia, Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise get in a fight, and there's just one person with a gun pointing at both of them, and you have just <laughs> the two of them standing next. I can't tell which one is which! <laughs> They're both just brunette white men, I can't tell! And Henry Cavill is <laughs> Quick, ask me something only a man with a mustache would know. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the the mustache of power, yes. They do actually kind of look alike if you squint a bit. Yeah, (laughs) I was... squint a bit and put Tom Cruise on a couple of crates, uh, yeah. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Yes, the height thing is going to make a difference. Oh, yeah. I don't know, maybe they yeah. were in, like, a sunken uh, living room couch thing, so... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so that just gives the idea that some Hollywood executive, like, thought to themselves, there's a chance they're gonna need him back for reshoots, and if they do, I'm gonna fuck them. <laughs> probably exactly what happened. They will not uh... lay one hair! They will not hurt one hair on my beautiful Mission Impossible boy's lip! Yes. <laughs> not yeah, one! Like... This one and no further! <laughs> There's also there's also the possibility that we are getting into somebody's fetish as well. That it was uh, real. That somebody was like, "No, he's got to have a mustache forever. No, it's what? in the contract. Yes. You can never exactly. shave it. That's right. He's going to be CGI'd in all of his roles now that don't have mustaches. Exactly. I still have not seen Justice League, so I but I've seen the clips that make it look. I've had oh, a friend God, tell me yeah. it's it not is, that noticeable, it is, but it's slightly unnerving. <laughs> Slightly. I, like I mean, it's not every scene, right? He did scenes shoot some without a mustache, right? Yeah, so it's know. for some reshoots, I think. But yeah, it was, it was the Whedon reshoots, I believe, that he had to keep. Okay, the so on. That, so that is still a lot of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It would be. It's just funny how like they did a whole CG one of Peter uh, Cushing. To play mm-hmm. Tarkin and Rogue One, oh, and just for some yeah. reason, Harry Careful with the mustache, with the 
major labia of the lip just slightly <laughs> off looks so much faker than the entire CG homunculi uh, Grandma yeah. Parkin. Like, for some reason, it looks so much wronger. <laughs> really, because the, the Tarkin was pretty bad. I thought, to be honest, I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest with Ro- that. Was one of my biggest problems with Rogue One was the CGI Tarkin, which I didn't feel was really necessary. Yeah, it was really bad. Because I mean, I thought it looked fine. It wasn't the worst. Mm. Let's be fair. <laughs> I mean, I pretty blatantly I, CGI. I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I, okay, I, I didn't here's buy... Maybe there was some difference in showing, like, if people saw it in 3D or not, because at Maybe. least in the theater I saw it in, if it had not been told beforehand that this was CGI'd, I probably would have assumed that they had just gotten a lookalike. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, the way they did Leia was a mix of CGI and lookalike. Yeah. yeah, Leia looked good. She's basically in one shot, though, so you can tell they had they could do more work on her or whatever, whereas Tarkin's in two or three different scenes. Yeah. And he's, um, and he's pure CGI. That's the thing. Because I, I didn't get. see not... Rogue One in theater, so I've only watched it on my, you know, TV screen, mm. and I thought it looked fine. Like you could still tell it was very clearly CGI, but definitely is not the worst I've ever seen as far as that goes. So I, it was. I mean, of course, it's well done as a CGI character, but you can tell he's a CGI character, which is a little unnerving <laughs> that he's supposed to be. I don't understand why they didn't just use like take footage of Peter Cushing and just digitally tweak it a bit uh, to, like, make his mouth match or something. You know, I, I feel like they could have done that. And more so, he could have been, like, a hologram mm-hmm. every time he appeared. <laughs> so they could have just they could have just made him a hologram, which would have made Hid even some more, of that, you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because he's not, it's, I mean, theoretically, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't need him to be in the story. They just wanted to have a, an uber boss who wasn't Vader, uh, who, uh, you know, it was, uh, what's his name, Krennic? The guy who's the real villain in that one? Um, you know, he could have just been reported. They didn't even need to be Tarkin specifically. It could have been some Imperial functionary. Um, anyway, I, I I feel like I have one or two issues with Rogue One because it's kind of like, and here's a cool bit that's cool and related to Star Wars, and that's pulling it away from the story in some ways. I, I'm not going to gripe too much about Rogue One. It's a good movie, but... We're also I mean. literally three topics off what we were talking about. It's all good. We, we should probably move to the next one. And all in a, it, to, to break it down, it's okay that Henry Cavill left DC. It's it fine. The movies will still be good without him. The movies will be good with him. Phrasing. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> the movies will well, still be without him. That, okay. Well, we'll go with that. <laughs> I won't lie. I legitimately want to see Aquaman. I think it actually looks like fun. Personally, I think that could be where they turn things around. But we'll see. I don't know. And I like James Wan, who's the director. So I guess we'll see. But yes, it's all up in the air. And uh, we, we aren't going to say one thing or another. But okay, so let's, uh, let's go on to the next one, which is the... What the? Uh, well, I gave the, a selection of three. Yeah, the so excuse me one. to choose from. Which one do yeah. you? Which one are you feeling? Well, I feel like I like the. Uh, well, I the first and the last of the three that you've got, I think, are irrelevant. Well, um, I know about the last one. I don't know about the first one. Well, the football. Yeah. Okay. So this is the article about. Uh, this was from. Uh, this is like a week ago that this article dropped, uh, but it was. Um, Basically, trying to blame blame the Oklahoma City bombing on uh, Timothy McVeigh 
of being too obsessed with the Buffalo Bills and being annoyed that they couldn't win the Super Bowl, basically. Uh, um, that is the argument um, that, yeah. I remember seeing this article, but I didn't read it, so. It's honestly pretty <laughs> ludicrous. And it is, in many ways, it's, I'm a football writer, so I'm going to see everything through the, the, the prism of football. Yeah, but the uh, rose-tinted glasses of football. <laughs> it's worth yeah. pointing out. This is not, like, ESPN. Oh, here's an interesting no. story about how much Tim McVeigh was into football and how this might have tied into, like, political things. This is from Political Magazine. So yeah, this is them. Yeah. Political.com. This is them. Hey, I, I, I think they might have been the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It that was is totally the, the football, guys. Yeah, yeah. We should and, ban and, football. And the framing of it is that they <laughs> phrase Timothy McVeigh, again pointing out the domestic terrorist, as a once promising young Gulf War veteran. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it comes uncomfortably close to apologizing for him, you know, as if he wasn't, you know, getting into white supremacy before he even went to join the army. Of, of right. And like, yeah, he was, you know, it was, like, that element is weirdly sidelined throughout the article. And, and this whole article has been dragged, and most people just, like, amazingly say, uh, uh, like, pointing out, it's like, just go to any lengths to avoid talking about the white supremacy issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, we will literally basically slander the entire Buffalo Bills, and you yeah. did this! <laughs> it's all your fault. Not, not, not the KKK over there. Totally not them. Yeah. Not, not I to, them. I have to admit, I did not know the story of the Buffalo Bill. I, you know, not knowing anything about American football, I did not know that they had lost the Super Bowl by like a whisker three times in a row. Eh. Uh, that was pretty incredible. <laughs> like, I have to admit, I was kind of like. Yeah, that that would drive me crazy too. The, my knowledge, my entire knowledge of that is that okay. So ex- t- so today we learned that Adam is like one bad rugby <laughs> season away um, <laughs> from, from doing becoming, the worst in Toronto, yeah, from becoming <laughs> no. the Toronto Terror and raining down <laughs> fire farms from a zeppelin shaped like his own head. <laughs> the Hamilton Ticats had better win the CFL this year, or I will crush them. They better win the Grey Cup <laughs> with our with our bizarre football. Football. I don't know anything about Canadian football either, but I know that the Hamilton Ticats are a team people are very passionate about. My uh, my ex's dad used to be a huge Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, <laughs> and those are the only two teams I know in the CF and the Argonauts, which are the Toronto team. But yeah, and you're no, talking uh, about American football and not soccer, correct? I'm no, I'm talking about Canadian football. Like it's what you call yeah American foot style football. Okay, uh, in Canada the and, and the brown, but in Canada, <laughs> okay, <the> CFL. yeah. <laughs> Which is, I believe, the difference is that our balls are bigger, <laughs> and um, and the field is like longer and narrower. I think. And there's special but, rules for if you kick a field goal and hit a goose instead. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> well, there are many geese that fly. If over the, the field, goose is you know. stunned, one point. If you manage to destroy the goose, ten points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
flattening the goose is an old Canadian tradition. If you can kick the the ball hard enough that it hits a goose in midair and the goose just fucking scanners explodes, that's ten (laughs) extra points. (laughs) If there is just a... If there is just a crescendo of red rain and feathers, that is ten extra points. (laughs) They scatter breadcrumbs on the field to attract geese for this exact reason. (laughs) But, uh... Anyway, yes, um, it is definitely... one of the game's most popular traditions, along with the halftime moose jousting. Hey, we get we keep the moose off the field, mostly, in southern Ontario, anyway. <laughs> I think I don't think you would be able to uh, to get down the field if there was a moose in the way. They're, they're pretty damn big, I don't know. It's and aren't they pants. really surprisingly mean as well? Oh, they're very mean. Well, in mating season. <laughs> Basically, they say keep the hell away from moose in mating season because they just charge everything they see. They uh, charge cars and also uh, uh, cow moose when they have their young. Yes, that's true. They're protective of their young because well, they are giant and don't have to put up with your shit and know it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're very big. And now I've I've seen them and they've been very calm and they're just by the side of the road or whatever, so it's not been a big deal. But I don't know if you've ever seen the video of the moose uh, running down. People are skiing in some very deep snow, and a moose just comes charging along like a snowplow. Yeah, <laughs> like just just blasting along. It's incredible. Hmm. But that that's uh, that's what they can do. You know, they're, moose uh, just they're... noping the concept of weather. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have anything like that in Jersey, right? Uh, right? No, no. no not no. really. We have brown bears and coyotes. Yeah, yeah. And not the worst of it. And drunk raccoons, oh. if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Raccoons are angry drunks. Yeah, they. I, I'm sure they are. Oh, we've got lots of uh, raccoons up here. We're not. That's not a weird one for us. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so yes, this article kind of tries to blame football for or uh, like deflect the like personal blame and white supremacy onto like framing it around football, like the world's worst sports movie. Yeah. I mean, granted, he he actually does say in one of the paragraphs that is claim that that the that um that he bombed Oklahoma City because the Buffalo Bills watched, lost four Super Bowls in a row. That claim would be absurd. He does say that. Yeah, but, but he you still wrote the whole article. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But he's then he, but then he goes on to say, but it's just one factor in many, and it's just kind of like. Yeah. No, and I think the worst part is that apparently this is part of a larger book. At the bottom yes. it says it's adapted from Boomtown, the Fantastical Saga of Oklahoma City, its chaotic founding, yeah. dot dot dot. It's purloined yeah, I... basketball team and the dream of becoming a world-class metropolis. Yeah, it's so it's not it's about Oklahoma City, but not the Oklahoma City bombing specifically. Yeah, the book is. And I guess you have to talk about Weird. the bombing in order to talk about Oklahoma City. Yeah, but technically yeah. not through the frame of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a very strange way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's if like it's if this is the insight that the book provides is football made him done it. Then well, I'm, I'm not, not sure. saying football made it done it, but I'm putting the two things close to each other uh-huh. so that it seems that way because otherwise, honestly, no one would click. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yeah. But this guy, and I mean, I don't know this guy's, this Sam Anderson is the author of the article, and I don't know his specific credentials, but he seems rather sports-obsessed, so maybe he's a sports writer originally or something. I mean, it's, it's, he's being published by an imprint of Penguin House, ran, Penguin Random House, so yeah. he's apparently I, good enough to be working with them. Well... Uh, but I'm just saying, like, when he talks about, like, the it's Boomtown, the fantastical saying of Oklahoma City, it's chaotic founding, it's purloined basketball team, and yeah. the dream of becoming, like, that's pr- apparently a major aspect of the book? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it almost seems like he is looking at it through a sports lens through the uh, entire uh, book. Okay, to be fair with American cities, the obsessive uh-huh. need, the obsessive, like, chasing yeah. of getting a sports team... That honestly is not out of left field for talking about it. Like, yeah, if you that's were, true. If you were talking about Miami, you would be talking about like the building of the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. Yeah, the Miami yeah. Dolphins and all that. You would be talking about that with Chicago and everything. If you wrote a history of New Jersey, you would be talking about all sorts of shit related to that. <laughs> You'd yeah. certainly be talking about the Devils, if nothing else, because that is kind yeah. of a one good sports team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's also losing the Jets and all yeah. that. Yeah, and somehow we don't have the Giants, but we do have the Giants, but we don't have the Giants. The Giants will play in our Meadowlands, but they won't <laughs> take our name. Exactly, they're still <laughs> New York, even though they're technically in Jersey. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened a few years ago, where they New York ran out of space, so they don't know what the fuck to do. It's like, well, Jersey's right there, so let's build it there. <laughs> That's basically what happened. So, And, like, cities do spend literally irresponsibly huge amounts of money attracting sports franchises and building stadiums. Right. Like, it mm. is seriously a huge fucking monumental thing. Like, akin... A yeah. It, it, it would... In fact, leaving it out would be like talking about Rome and leaving out the Colosseum. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. But... That's still a, a, a bit weird to literally tie the Oklahoma City bombing specifically to. He was a Bills fan, and he was annoyed. Like It's it's like he wanted to talk about the Bills specifically. And didn't know so how he, to tie it in. And that was the way he <laughs> found to tie it in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think what it would yeah. be like, but I'm not actually getting anything absurd enough. The closest thing I've got to be saying is, like, trying to frame all of, like, Gacy's murders through his career as a clown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he could pro- make children laugh. But, yeah. the, but Actually, there was... God help me, I know this for some reason. There is actually from other clowns kind of harsh criticism of Gacy's clown persona. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <sighs> like there yeah, was stop. actual from other professional clowns like of his clown face and critiquing it and pretty much saying that it's not a good face. Oh my god. Okay. The I don't know enough and, about and clowns to know what is a good clown no, face. No, this is a, 
entirely like inside baseball, but for clowns. Which oh okay, God. this is probably why I'm fascinated by the clown stuff because it's clowns. But yeah. you know, when you're it's your career and your art form thing, you of course kind of take it seriously. So there is right. a bunch of very serious stuff in clown culture. Or, uh-huh. like, clown professional culture. So, like, of yeah. the very harsh criticism of the clown face there, if, like, no, you, uh, you've completely ignored this tradition or this convention there, the angles of your makeup shapes are too sharp as to be off-putting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this was... Well... I swear <clears throat> to God, this is out there. Yeah, and also uh, you murdered people. Yes. That's another thing that, that yeah. detracts from your clowning abilities, and also, basically. There was the murder. <laughs> I, have, I have a few notes. The murder. How do we feel about that? Can you do without it, really? Are you married to it? <laughs> now that I we've mean, gone over your persona, the murder is it necessary for the act. I feel I you could do a lot better if you cut out the murder. <laughs> <sighs> Screw you! I'm not falling. I'm not going in for your corporate shenanigans. I'm, I'm just saying, there's out. a reason why Bozo doesn't host the Hunger Games. <laughs> he hasn't made it. <laughs> well, he did in a way outshine Bozo in pop culture. Uh, you can't deny that. Yeah, uh, Mr. Gacy, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Somebody's Ooh. mentioning. Uh, Phil's mentioning um, in the chat. Well, thanks about for things. making that depressing thing. See, you can literally be the most famous, successful clown in the world and still be outshined by one asshole shoving <laughs> people in his crawl space. Yup. Yeah. Feel good about is. your art, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's. I don't know. It's true. There's not. Well, it's it's yeah. It's true. I can't think of a lot of like famous clowns in general. Bozo the Clown, I guess. Um, Krusty the Clown, who is not even a I clown. I legit can talk about more and also point out uh, ones that are non-conventional clowns or basically use the uh, clown skills or the clown act structure without using what's recognized as clown makeup. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you can do that. Yeah. Because you we are can't. obsessed with clowns for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you have a fascination <laughs> of, with clowns. Oh, and there's well, okay, Ronald McDonald. Fair enough. There, uh, there's a very Red clown. Skeleton, Charlie Chaplin. I was gonna yeah. say Chaplin seems like one. Right. Um, right. He would make I don't sense. Think, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, Chaplin. Yeah, Chaplin's definitely shading into that. I don't know Red Skeleton. I didn't know he was kind of a clown. I thought yeah. he was a comedian, like a standard issue comedian. Yeah, but it ties into it. Um, the Marx Brothers. Right. Okay. I feel like that's stretching the definition of clown a bit. I know that they're in the same tradition, but they, to me, if there's not... One, it, it follows the August cl- clown structure... Mm-hmm. Which is an actual act set up, as does the Three Stooges, and actually a ton of other like sitcom and comedy things. So, okay. but it just um, like a lot of the more modern ones simply do not have like the actual clown face or makeup. The Marx Brothers were close to that because Groucho, right. of course, actually did have a makeup face. His mustache and eyebrows right. were paint there, and of course Harpo. Is Harpo. Ar- Harpo actually is very close to a traditional clown, just without right, the face yeah. paint, as was. Fuck, and I 
blanked on Harpo. Uh, Chico. Yeah, Chico, of course, also there. Yeah. So Chico was a verbal kind of, uh, you know, guy who... Well, so was Groucho, but Chico was the guy who, you know, mixed up his metaphors and, you know, went... Yeah. You know. So the sort of clown structure, the base of the act they're doing is the August structure, or it's a three-clown structure where you have um, typically the white face or the schemer who is the person that is in charge there and is the person (laughs) that's going to drive the plot along and come up Uh with the idea the person in some sort of authority and then you have at the other end of there is the august which is more of the comedic or physical clown there or the foolish one there who either uh, fails to follow out the white flakes or schemers plans there or like subtly sabotages them or messes with them and then mm-hmm. you have the uh counter a ghost who is the intermediate between the two okay. and you see that very directly with the marx brothers set up groucho right. of course yeah. is the person in charge harpo mm-hmm. is like literally a mute and with the physical comedy and everything between uh groucho He's- and harpo is done through chico Right, right, and the Three Stooges as well, yeah. even more so. With yeah, Mo being the Mo is their leader. Yeah, and uh, Cur- Curly's the screw up, and Larry's the the go between. Right, that's actually I the Groucho. I I mean, as you say, he's got the clown makeup, but he he seems a little competent. Like it seems like the the he'd be as a clown, he'd be kind of a schemer who always fails. Whereas Groucho was actually on the ball most of the time like he was actually pretty good at coming up with plans yeah if i'm not well, mistaken it's like yeah. remember that there's like it's not always like of like always necessarily is failure in action that's kind of where like the details of the act come from and where the character comes from groucho's often successful at it uh with like mo mo is often unsuccessful right it's just yes. it's the different <laughs> twist on the same sort of setup uh, Charlie uh, Chaplin's character, the Tramp, is of course a. Uh, I say of course, like anyone else gives a shit. Is a uh, <laughs> character oh, is a character clown, specifically of one of the hobo clowns. Right. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. I I definitely see the clown linkage with Chaplin for yeah. sure. Yeah. And he had the character with the mustache and everything. How does the uh, for the Grinch, Gr- with the the Marx Brothers? How does Zeppo fit in? <laughs> That's my. Well, question. he does it. That's why he's dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe how boring Zeppo was when I finally saw Mark's Brothers movie. He's just like, what is this guy doing here? He's just the dude. I feel like he was there because he was the semi-conventionally handsome one, so he yeah. was almost like they just the... had to include him just for that reason. Yeah. yeah, I've also seen the August structure referred to as the uh, the schemer, the idiot, and the fool, and the sane man. Mm, right. Okay, yeah, that makes okay. sense. Right, yeah. Because you always need a straight man, right? Yeah. 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 And I, and sometimes with, yeah, like, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Three Stooges sometimes had a normal guy, too, right? Am I completely insane on that no, one? No, I think no, it depends on the skit, but yeah. And yeah. That, that fourth person would always change. Yeah, the stri- that's right, because the, yeah, I can, I, actually, that does make sense, because the Marx Brothers are all zany and wacky, but, so you can think they need a straight man, but not really, but that's just sort of everyone they encounter is the straight man right. the Marx Brothers, right? It doesn't have to be one of their team that's... Yeah, right, right. usually, yeah. if it comes up, the Counter August is uh, required to be either the straight man, or the, some, or sort of the long-suffering sane person who 
it kind of like is self-aware but has no position of authority to change anything right yeah 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 boy i'm it's how did you get so interested in clowns okay here's the thing i literally don't know because (laughs) there's the thing with like knowing this stuff i literally don't know how other people have not absorbed it by osmosis because <laughs> this is complete. I mean, I know the references you're making, but this is all just completely new to me. That there's all this elaborate formal structure for clowning. Yeah, yeah. And like, then, and, then, and yeah. that's not going into the, like the European traditions with like the actual Harley Quinades, which have a whole <sighs> different thing. <laughs> now, I actually do know the uh, the uh, the Commedia dell'arte. I know I know a little about that. That is actually kind of interesting to me. Um, but and then there's um, like mimes, of course, in which France. also, if there's... I remember correctly, the August structure somewhat grew out of the uh, of the Harlequin and Perot system. Okay, right, because the Harlequin is in the Commedia dell'arte. He's the guy who can sort of run in and um like play pranks on people and he becomes like temporarily invisible yeah not to the audience but to everyone else and then yeah piero is piero the one he kind of makes a fool of or yeah piero is, that... piero is no, the sad clown right yeah and columbine's the one he's in love with right she's yeah. the girl clown right yeah anyway so yeah there's a whole thing to that but yes yeah, okay, I can see, yeah, I can definitely see how it came, so it came from the Commedia dell'arte and evolved, right? Well, yeah, it's like, you can see where it's, break, uh, where, like, influences there and where these ideas come, and, like, this sort of thing starts up mm-hmm. in, like, pre-Vaudeville, and Vaudeville took off from it. Right. But, and then there's, like, a, like, seriously, like, surprising when I looked into it, clowns have written a lot about their fucking art form. Yeah. yeah. Mm, seems go. like it. I mean, Comedia del Arte goes back at least a couple yeah. hundred years. There is also the somewhere in America that... I needed to look it up, there is like an actual uh, uh, clown hall of fame. Okay. Really? <laughs> slash, oh, clown, slash clown history museum. I was gonna All say, right. it sounds more like it's a clown history museum that happens to have a hall of fame. Right, and I remembered because it came up in, like, a news thing recently that they had, like, saw that, like, there was apparently a contentious debate on who the original Bozo was. <laughs> really? Yes! Because I didn't it, know there was more than one. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like Ronald McDonald, it's a franchised face. Oh, okay. okay. So, there was, like, Apparently, in clown academics, this was a fierce debate over who uh, should actually be accredited with coming up with the character of Bozo, and they had, like dug up documents. Like they did serious research for it, and I like to imagine just like a whole fucking Dan Brown thing, but yeah, you know, with clowns. Oh my god! A bunch of clown, yeah, clown, <laughs> clown academics yeah. sitting around sipping it's tea. It's a serious thing. <sighs> With their glasses. And yeah. uh, uh, Spear Havoc in the chat has pointed out, yes. and I do have to point, uh, it's a trivia worth sharing. In the UK, and it's done in the US as well, a clown trademarks their face with a registry right. at the clown registry, uh-huh. of which it's several, and it is stored in the registry as effectively their trademark of the persona by painting the face on an eggshell. Right. 
Yeah, that was actually an article uh, a week or two ago. Somebody was sharing around yeah. that that was a thing. Yeah, and it's it's that's really interesting. And then that's just their their why why did why was it an egg specifically? Uh, is there a reason? Okay, for that? so I looked into it. The honest thing is that it's tradition. That's it. Just somebody okay. decided right. to paint an egg. Uh, well, it's under the thing there that I guess like going back when they started under this idea that a clown should own its own face, which mm-hmm. went right. surprisingly far back. It was probably, well, we could either paint mannequin heads or eggs are cheaper. Right. And eggs are cheaper. <laughs> yes. So, Fair that makes enough. sense. I mean, I only know Very about that because of Discworld, because yeah. that's what their the clown museum is. It's just okay. all these Let's not get on Discworld again. I yep. do Discworld every week. Also, every if, week. Also, if we're being completely realistic, I have to think that clowns would have to think that, well, you could do it, we could do it the normal way, or we could do it the way that's kind, that's both practical, but also absurd and vaguely creepy, and thus actually yeah. fits in with the whole clown aesthetic. <clears throat> yep. So eggs, eggs. Yes, eggs. No, eggs. It, it's it's pretty cool that they do it that way, honestly. And they, uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of neat. And of course, painting eggs is a tradition all through the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's possibly tied into that as well. Yeah. I used to have my family had some uh, eggs in were from branch of my family is from the Ukraine, and they do these really elaborate mm. uh, painted eggs there too. So they were family heirlooms that were. You know, and in conclusion, old. that's how Bozo the Clown caused the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, city bombing. <laughs> yeah. we've, de- we've established that Kermit did 9 11, so now we know Bozo oh, did the right. Oklahoma City bombing. <laughs> that's right. Okay, well, let's move on to the last article, which was uh, the talk of the town uh, last week, which was that the, uh, the Cosby Show actor, uh, Jeffrey Owens, uh, was spotted begging groceries, so apparently he uh, fox like the whole thing a about peasant, like a mere mortal. He had descended to earth and was no longer. Yeah, he is be he is defiling and it's callousing his hands with labor. Yeah, how dare it was, he? It was a very gross article that they had to, you know, it, and it was clearly meant to be like. It was apparently first reported by the Daily News, which should tell you everything you need to know about that. Right. <laughs> and then Fox uh, News the decided to pick it up. Oh, the Daily Mail, sorry. Yeah. And which is tells that, you everything you need to know. Is that a British? The British Daily Mail? Or they have the or, British Daily Mail, because they'll just publish yeah. anything that they think is even remotely saucy. Or um, some British friends I have call it the Daily Fail. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty bad, apparently. It's a very right-wing rag. And this is, and this is that snotty, you know, not that Americans and Canadians can't be snobby, but let's face it, the Brits do snobbiness uh, oh, yeah. like no one else. Oh, yeah, this is clearly like... Of course our snobbiness is far above that of the colonies. Yeah, it's 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 grade-A top-notch snobbery. Decades of Habsburgian inbreeding to generate all snobbery. <laughs> Well, and they, but it was actually kind of cool because it spotted, it, it, it spot, as with the library article we tackled a few, uh, a few weeks back. Right. Um, it, it, the pushback was actually really interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it became, you know, people going, wait a minute, what's wrong with bagging groceries? Yeah, and it's right. The, it, and there's sort of, of course, there's the attitude of, oh, how sad. He was a big Hollywood star and now he's bagging groceries. But first of all, I don't think he was ever, he wasn't like a, 
one of the regulars on the Cosby Show, right? He was just a he had a recurring role. Correct. Right? Yeah, he had a recurring five role. Seasons. Yeah. Right. And uh, oh, he was the uh, he was dating one of his daughters, right? He was the husband mistaken? of the eldest daughter. Right. Yes. Elder, so he had a recurring Elder. role and was featured fairly prominently through the later seasons, especially. But like you said, he's not one of the main kind of family members, I guess you could say. Yeah. But he was, he was, I mean, he was pretty much a, like at a certain point, he was almost in every episode, uh, right? For Stretch. And um, more or less, am I wrong about that? I remember him being in a lot of episodes. Um, But yeah, he was, he was a, um, and yeah, no, so he became a theatrical actor. He hasn't, you know, he didn't get any big, uh, you know, TV. I'm sure he was on TV, but he didn't get any huge parts after that. Uh, but you know, so it's like he's still acting, mm-hmm. but he needs yeah, to he's supplement been, it. He's been on yeah. Always Sunny, right? Oh, exactly. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I probably wouldn't recognize him nowadays. But yeah, he, he, um, yeah, exactly. And then, so that actually is interesting because it reveals how you know, by most lights, he has a not an unsuccessful career. Exactly. Um, you know, he doesn't become a quote star or an A-lister or a B-lister. Uh, but you know, he's clearly working enough that he's, you know, he, he can get roles and stuff. And yet he has to have a day job, which is interesting. To, it's like, and when you're creative, you have to have a day job that is flexible enough so yeah. that when you do finally get a gig, you can mm-hmm. go do the gig. <laughs> right, <laughs> You exactly. know? So, bagging at Trader Joe's makes perfect sense for that. Yeah, I yeah. mean... And, like, a bunch of, like, other actors chimed in and said, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. people who were big now and said, it's like, did you think that, like, when we were starting out or, you know, like when we were auditioning for things, we didn't have another job. Like, even after people have their first big role, they may need another job. Like, I think Terry Crews says that after football, like, he was a big thing in football. After football, he had to mop floors before he could really get his acting career going. Yeah. Like, there is absolutely nothing bad about this, which was kind of the great thing about the pushback when when that came around. So... Yeah. And it is, it is very, like, I have to admit, I would have assumed someone of that relative stature, if, as you say, I mean, it's, it's not like he hasn't worked in decades, it's, he was on It's Always Sunny, so he's getting TV gigs and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and that's still not enough uh, for him to not have to have a day job, which is kind of eye-opening to me. Like, to me, that's, that's pretty amazing. I would have thought that... At that level, at least you could basically do acting and you know live at least a decent middle class lifestyle without having to have something else other than acting, uh, because clearly people are returning your calls, people are casting you in things. Uh, you know, when you're a real struggling actor and you're really trying to get a gig and you might get like two gigs a year or whatever, then sure, I get it. Um, but that just shows you like it's not a high paying profession unless you're. You know, Tom Cruise or something. Right, unless you're an actual A-lister. Not to mention, you also have to take into account he's also a black actor. So that greatly reduces the sorts of roles he could Mm. potentially get as well. And, you know, as people were pointing out there, it's like he had a period where he had a lot of job uh, Mm -hmm. work there. And then some work dried up. And when that happens, what are you going to do? Not, like, find a way to make money? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, at the end of the day, you have to provide, and if doing whatever you're doing is doing it, then that's perfectly fine. You're not hurting anyone. 
Well, you do, you do. Now, you do kind of want to think like, okay, he was on the Cosby Show, which was let's let's not mince words. It was the most popular sitcom in the world for a stretch there. Yes, it um, was. And you want to assume that if you were a big part of a show like that, you would get some royalties and they would be enough to support you for a while. But it sounds like he does not have any royalties and he does not get part of that show. It uh, which depends is not that on that the would be... contract, let's yeah, be that, fair. I mean, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, he must not get... Re- either he gets does not get residuals or... The Cosby Show. I don't know if it's in reruns anymore. Actually, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe he did. Maybe it was like the case. Very likely that yeah, he was able to like live off residuals there. But it's like the Cosby then Show. Then the, the sex allegations happened, and then that dried yeah. up all of the rerun potential that used to That's be there. Right. Or even just exactly. you know, you can only run it uh, so long there, and then. Like yeah, it stops right. being run. It's run on less and less channels until, I guess, finally you're just on Nick at Night, mm-hmm. or I guess you wait till Netflix picks it up there. It Netflix yeah. or Hulu or something. Yeah, it's but like, again, it still sort of depends on what was in the contract as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Well, because I, mean, I don't you, know you how have, that goes you, when it comes to rerunning episodes. You know, you, you've got to make. I know that you have to make some residuals if they're if you're rerun like if you're image is shown on TV, you're going to get something. It might not be huge, but every time they rerun an episode of a TV show that you're in, you are, I believe, legally required to get some kind of compensation for that. Hmm. Um, So having a show that gets rerun a lot is going to be better than having a show that doesn't. Okay. Um, so I, I like I'm pretty sure I, I remember the Seinfeld episode where Jerry says he's getting all these residual checks because he's appearing in a Japanese game show or something. And there's a clip of him in a Japanese game show. So ah. he gets like 12, 12 cents every time they air it, basically. Um, so it's that kind of thing. So, I mean, that does make sense. You would I think that would be a standard contract. Yeah, I, you have to get that. I wish I remembered who it was, but I was listening to an interview. I think it's somebody who wrote for Doctor Who and they were like talking about. Um, like that, and they said that the residuals are always like a surprising windfall because right. it got like, um, it got like I think he said there was like yeah, just got a check for two thousand dollars because something that I had written part of there was bought to be shown in the movie theater at an oil well in the United Ar- uh, Arab Emirate. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay. and it like talks about well, yeah, because you know when things like that, it's like well, like workers need entertainment, so okay, buy the rights to these movies or for mm-hmm. copies of these movies to show for movie night. There, and it's like well, here's a residual yep. from um, uh, like OPAC. There, I guess somebody's yeah. seeing it, or like here's a residual from, or like a residual from like a Japanese uh, rebroadcasting. Hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. It. I always understood it went down the line. Used to, I mean, it used to be. It, things but that changed was, now with but that was for writers, so that's probably... Right. And, right. and so I it, know that Doctor Who is actually... As well. well, Doctor Who was always a special case from what I understand. That I believe in England you're going to get better uh, better uh, residuals as a writer than you would in the U.S. necessarily. I'd believe um, it. Like I'm sh- I, I know that the guy, t- uh, there's a guy named Terry Nation who wrote the first Doctor Who, speaking of Doctor Who, he wrote the first Doctor Who episode with the Daleks. And okay. as a result, he literally got a piece of all the Dalek merchandise that's out there. So oh. he did really well. 
uh, as the writer of the episode. Oh yeah, not only that, but his estate continues to do well after that. Uh, It's actually a thing there that in order to continue the rights to use the Daleks, Doctor Who needs to have the Daleks appear in once a season at least. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and, yeah, that's, like, he's clearly got a very good deal that I don't think an American TV writer would get with that mm. kind of thing. Although, it is true that if you create a character, like, I know that um, Peter Gould uh, wrote the episode of Breaking Bad that introduces um, uh, Saul Goodman, and he owns part of the character, which is why he was the co-creator of Better Call Saul. Like, for instance, so he d- you do get credit if there's a character. And I remember we had the discussion about Voyager, too. Uh, because if, if you guys don't know Star Trek Voyager, uh, there's an episode of Star Trek Next Generation where um, Wesley Crusher uh, is in uh, is in Starfleet Academy and his, uh, right, his right. squadron gets into trouble uh, because the leader of the squadron wanted to sh- do a flashy flying move and he gets one of them killed. Uh, so he goes to jail, uh, and the, they wanted to use that character on Voyager, where he was actually going to be the character who became Tom Paris, because it's the same actor, Robert Duncan McNeil, oh. uh, and they were they were going to use that same character, and it was going to be, oh yeah, he, he, you know, he was this disgraced hotshot pilot, but he was going to join the cast of Voyager, and he was going to redeem himself, uh, and they changed the character. It was all virtually identical character, but he was a different name and slightly different circumstances of how he was put in jail hmm. uh, and it was basically because they didn't want to pay the writer of that episode residuals <laughs> throughout Voyager because they would have to every time the character was used interesting so it was a, yeah it was a bit of a sleazy move to be honest oh no incredibly sleazy well that's yeah. not uncommon because I believe that's the reason why static shock was invented for the DC universe because they didn't want to actually pay the re- pay the person who created Black Lightning. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 was yeah. created, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Ing, you, you probably know better than that. Oh, I just had a brain fart, but no, Static Shock, uh, was created for, uh, Milestone. Yeah. Which was, ah. uh, yeah, w- which was, I'm trying- Dwayne McDuffie, right? Yeah, Dwayne McDuffie's, uh, imprint there that was, uh, con- a- God help, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting, it was either a publishing or- Sub-pub- yeah, it was a publishing. Sub-publishing house that... I think it started as a publishing house and then became a sub-one when DC bought it. Yeah, okay. DC recently bought Milestone okay. and they're not really doing much with it. Yeah, but which is they were originally an indie... Long story short, Drain McDuffie uh, started on publishing house to promote uh, African-American characters and creators. Oh, okay. Well, and gotcha. one or di- diverse in general. I don't yeah. think it was just African-American. Sorry, yes, diverse a, in yeah. general. And um, Static Shock was uh, one of, I think, pretty much can be said his most popular yeah. one from Milestone due to the TV show uh, right. coming yeah. there and brought into the DC uh, animated universe with the Justice League right. appearances mm-hmm. and getting, mm-hmm. oh geez, and actually in uh, Young Justice showing up as well. He did? Right. Yeah. I yeah. did not keep up with Young Justice, so I probably should. Uh, so your thing of confusing him with Black Lightning is very interesting well no it's because there's a rumor that goes that's going around that the reason why Static Shock was pushed over Black Lightning was because they were able to like they didn't want to pay the residuals for Black Lightning but it was okay for them to do it with Static I mean I think they'd still have to pay it to McDuffie's estate though I wouldn't be surprised if he got screwed on that 
But exactly. Uh, so, so that might be it. Yeah, but the young, fact that he's not alive could have affected. Young, the fact that young Justice had a thing where one of the villains, uh, one of the villain groups, was experimenting with making new metahumans, and they mm. had a bunch of teenagers they had kidnapped and were successful, which okay. wound up being. Um, Effectively, the Young Justice version of the Super Friends. Ah, okay. And, apparently, I'm mixing it up with Black Vulcan. Who, right? Who it so was. they, okay. so they uh, combine. So they actually combined uh, Black Vulcan or Black Lightning with Static Shock for that one, and just made him static. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because you know that's but... never confusing when they do that. <laughs> it well, makes they, sense they... in there, and this is probably really boring radio and will be cut, but it, it worked eh. really well. <laughs> eh. It's not boring. We're talking about superheroes. Yeah. That, yeah, no. That's what this, this episode should probably be called. Is just We talk a lot about superheroes. We yeah. <laughs> talk about superheroes. But... No, I still think yeah. this episode should be called uh, Ask Me uh, uh, Something Only a Man with a Mustache Would Know. <laughs> okay, done. That's the title for episode twelve. Although something old? Yeah, I think oh, okay. I think it might be that Black Vulcan was made so for um like the super friends so they wouldn't have to Right. Yeah. Well wait, was Black Lightning created for the Super Friends? He was he predated that, didn't he? Black Vulcan was created for Super Friends. Black Lightning Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um looking up at the Wikipedia thing, yeah, it's Black Vulcan was created for the Super Friends rather than using Black Lightning, which already existed and was basically identical because DC was in a dispute. With okay. the creator Tony Isabella. Right. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, this it's is... weird yeah. So they didn't care about Superman, but they were they didn't they didn't want to give any money to Tony Isabella. Well they had well, no, they, they kinda of screwed over the creators of Superman way, way, well, way back in the day. So I, I know that's true, but I also know that by the t- around the time of Super Friends they had made a better deal with Siegel and Schuster's estate. Which was they were constantly I mean Siegel uh, Siegel's group especially i believe uh-huh. has taken them to court multiple times yeah uh to try and get more out of them which they deserve obviously because he was always they were screwed over but i i as i recall the story was that in 1976 as they were gearing up to make the superman movie mm-hmm. uh dc kind of went well you know what hey what happened to siegel and schuster we should look them up because they're going to be reporting on them in the wake of the movie and they're going to be you know there's going to be retrospectives on superman so they looked them up and they found that uh, siegel was working as a file clerk and schuster was homeless yeah um and that and they were like oh crap it's gonna look really bad if these if they find these guys so and i believe it was um jeanette khan who kind of said and she also just wanted to do the right thing she seems like a good egg uh but she she basically said yeah we're, we're gonna find a, we're gonna give them a stipend basically which okay. they deserve for creating superman so yeah. they were they, they had them sort of straightened out a little by the time they uh by the time the movie came out. So from that, there was a bit of an ongoing uh, payday from DC to those two. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't, they weren't getting rich off of it, which they deserve to, but they were at least getting like an allowance as it were. Uh, so they weren't completely broke <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and I think it was partly contingent on, yeah, do this and don't, Tell, don't tell everyone that we screwed you over. <laughs> As the reporters are going to be. I mean, around. it ends up being reported anyway. So, <laughs> so we know right. that they got screwed over at least in their initial deal. Um, yeah. But well, Siegel, that's the thing. Siegel's 
Siegel and then his family have had a history, I think, of kind of taking a deal because mm-hmm. they were pressured in. They thought that might be the best they could get, and then they realized because well, no, they because they know that for a still... long time they were both told there's nothing you can do. It was all legal, so you can't yeah. fight it. And that's right. how they ended up in the situation they ended up afterwards. So yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And and just the fact that yeah. Anyway, but they keep realizing like it's ridiculous how much money. DC and Warner Brothers and everyone else has made off of Superman. Oh, yeah. We have to keep going. And and so they keep going, wait a minute, we're not going to let it drop. Gonna... And they did, as you remember, they do now own the rights to uh, Action Comics number one, right. uh, which includes Superman. So basically, the nobody's quite sure what happened, I think, but the, the basic theory is that they're going to have to, DC has to pay the Siegel family a stipend to keep using the characters, or mm. it has to pay them whatever the right word is, a... Uh, a certain licensing fee every time they want to use the characters. Right. So, uh, Which you know, they gladly so pr- will because it's Superman. Well, not gladly, <laughs> apparently. But... Uh, but they will, yes. If they yeah. want to keep doing Superman comics and making Superman movies, they have to keep giving the Siegel estate some money. Which So that worked out more or less. And then there's the, the whole Kirby settlement, which is shrouded in mystery uh, <laughs> at, at uh, Disney and Marvel. Uh. But he pro- his, his estate probably made out okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're literally not allowed to talk about it. So we don't know exactly how they did, mm. <laughs> but hopefully I'm sure hopefully... it'll eventually all come out because everything always yeah. does. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, I think there's literally a uh, yeah. I'm sure a... that there's a non-disclosure agreement. Non-disclosure but again, agreement. everything always comes out eventually. Yeah, right. So. so yeah, so just anyway, the point is that unless you're really top of the top in Hollywood, oh yeah, you can end up <laughs> not getting a lot of money uh, out of your creations. Basically, you can end up still working your day job, which is uh, pretty outrageous, I think. I mean, there's um, a reason why so many like C and D listers in terms of Hollywood fare end up doing Dancing with the Stars is because it's literally the best way for them to get their their name and brand out there so that people care about them. (laughs) Like, literally, it's the easiest way for them to do it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's why George Takei was on Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Takei has really cleverly branded himself online as internet dad basically yeah but and he's also, this was well, before he's also, that i believe yeah, oh, yeah it's before that and and i think also he kind of aligned himself with some disney stuff as well so he's been kind of smart about that right. <laughs> about keeping himself relevant so yeah no it's it's and i mean it's it's sort of a shame that they have to do that hustle but you would think that you know you could go get well i think retired. decay but, has also done a lot of voiceover work and like theatrical acting like you said so yeah, yeah. but dear but god only... did this get depressing didn't it yeah it happens well. i mean but, it, but i mean it's kind of a depressing topic let's be fair but yeah. but it, you do what yeah, you gotta say, it did it did introduce and yeah it sort of introduces a, a discussion where they're like why you know let's not look down on someone for right. doing an mm. honest day's work uh, as well as acting because he is continuing to act and again it it's actually you know it, it's a little messed up that they they did it about him it's like oh he w- we caught him begging groceries like yeah but he's still working it's not like this is the end of his career and he's still working uh but he's also doing an honest day's work and that's literally from what i see he's been doing jeffrey owens has been doing interviews this has probably really helped him really oh yeah um ironically enough yeah 
yeah, and he's gone out and he said, like, you know, there's we, sh we need to stop shaming people for doing work, which needs to be done, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, <laughs> that's, that's something you would not want to go without someone sweeping your floors and begging your groceries and picking up your garbage, uh, and yet we look down on people like that, you know, and it, it makes no sense. Somebody was saying on Twitter the other day, it's like, garbage men, we talk about, oh, salute the troops, uh, garbage men have probably saved more lives more lives than any soldier uh, mm. you know that's absolutely a fundamental component of modern life that we could not have without it somebody else mentioned something about um how uh, they had a, a a hospital and the janitorial staff went on strike and within 24 hours they were freaking out and just completely unable to function uh, oh yeah because you can't have a hospital running without the cleaning staff right yeah. it's just impossible yeah you know? And and yet we kind of go, oh well, he's a he's a janitor, and he used to be a Hollywood star. And I think Jeffrey Owens said this as well. It's like not a janitor, sorry, he's a bag, he's bagging groceries. But still, he said it's like, what's wrong with bagging groceries? I'm not, I'm I'm not ashamed to be bagging groceries. I work. That's part of my job, and I also get to be an actor, and I'm actually doing really well. But why are we stigmatizing bagging groceries? Do you want to bag your own groceries? Do you like? Do you want to? you know, grow your own food because otherwise I'm part of the supply chain that gives you food yep. <laughs> so that you can survive. Oh my can... God. Can you imagine the types of people who would actually have to like live on a farm? Yeah. Oh, and if they great. wanted to eat, eat roast chicken, go out and get the chicken and kill the chicken right. and defather the, the chicken, chicken and, uh, yeah. <laughs> chop, chop the chicken's head off and yep. pluck, the, pluck the feathers. Yep. And that's, Maybe we should. Maybe we should all do that at one point in our life. That should be mandatory that you go out and live on a farm for a week mm -hmm. and you make all your own food. <laughs> and then you and then you have to sweep floors for a week. And then you go like you come back and you never again complain about uh, about any of that stuff. Any of any of <laughs> any role that you might have to fill. But it is yeah, it it's a good conversation, I think, that that, that was promoted by that. So yeah. that was pretty cool. I do that. Anyway, so I'm going to be looking at... Actually, you know what? I'm going to look up on IMDb and see if Jeffrey Owens got, got any new roles out of that. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's apparently mostly a, a theater actor. So Which isn't that surprising, him. especially if he's yeah. working in Jersey. He's definitely, in all likelihood, doing stuff off-Broadway. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, is he actually a he's he's a Jersey? He, yeah, the 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 picture was taken in uh, Oh, NJ Trader Joe's. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, no, no, so no, there in you a New Jersey Trader Joe's. Probably somewhere near the Jersey Hudson. actually has a decently sized local theater stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I mean to the point where the the local theater stuff is bigger than just what the local theater usually implies. Right, right, exactly. And um that is in part because we are near New York and right. off Broadway, etc. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at his IMDB and yeah, he did not ever stop working and he is on TV shows all the time. He was on the he was in the slap, which is kind of funny. Um and he's got some stuff coming but let's out be he's here, elementary. Even if he wasn't still a consistently working actor, who yeah. gives a fuck if he's packing groceries now? No, exactly, it shouldn't exactly. matter. Yeah. <laughs> It well, shouldn't matter. The man is I working and he's like, providing for his family, and that's all that matters. Like, right? I kind of feel like they wouldn't. They wouldn't have jumped on him if he wasn't still working. You know? Right. Oh, no, but, I think they would have. They would have. They would have. A lot of people brought up the fact that he, the, the fact that it, since he is black, that's part of the reason why they're going after him. 
um, right. over anybody else they possibly could have gone after. Well, you know? yes, it is, it is Fox News, and, yeah. um, unfortunately, and the Daily Mail, as you say. Yeah. So, you know, they, it tends to be... And again, it's it's almost like, gotcha! It's like, really? You got him? Doing what? Like, he's done something shameful? You know, like, that's just so... the to- And, I, I mean, I guess they're trying to frame it as like, oh, how sad. He can't make a living at acting. He has to beg groceries. But it's just still, you know, it's the yeah. same thing. Like, it's, it's, it's also it's, just kind of like, a- well, that's, that's really most actors? Question yeah. mark? Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> guess you're again. being nicer and interpreting it as a so sad... I- Thing, I read I it as know. like, look at him, point and laugh, children, point and laugh. Yeah. Oh well, I think that is the intention, but they're trying to frame it like it's so sad. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, and they they definitely wanted to have an undercurrent of oh how the mighty have fallen, but yeah. then it's also just kind of like well, I mean, it's not that he wasn't on a big show, but he wasn't, like, the main character of a big show, so is it really that mighty, and did he really fall that far, and the answer is no, because he's still working, so Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, eh? Well, like I said, it is, I think it is, as I say, it was eye-opening to me to learn that you could be acting consistently on TV mm-hmm. and still have to have a, like a side hustle like that. Right. Uh, that I I would have thought that if you were even just as a very low ranking character actor, but if you were consistently on TV, I would have thought, yeah, that that's paying your bills right there. You don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. But apparently you do. Uh, so that's really interesting to me. Um, well, it should be noted that New Jersey is surprisingly a very expensive state to live in, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. since people talk about, oh, New York's really expensive. Right. California's really expensive. Yeah, those are very expensive places to live in. But Jersey, Jersey is a surprisingly expensive. expensive place to live in. Do huh. very so, largely okay. to real estate speculators. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, the thing of people like intentionally uh, jacking up land prices or yeah. setting a, a thing. Land development is another thing that's big in Jersey. Yeah. Right. So. So so yeah, um, um, it is expensive to live in Jersey. Okay. So it's not that surprising that he has to have a side hustle in order to yeah. stay in this area so that he can keep doing the jobs he wants to do. You right. know. So. Yeah. But yes, it's uh, you know it's it's um, part of me, so I'm sort of torn between well he should never have to do that again and hey hell maybe he enjoys doing it maybe he thinks like. I can actually see the value of if you're a creative person. I've often thought this. If I ever became wildly successful at podcasting or something, um, you know, part <laughs> of me wants to say, um, hey, I would, you know, I wouldn't want to like go and retire to like a giant, you know, castle in the sky and never deal with peons ever again. Like mm-hmm. that would that would kind of hurt your creativity in many ways, right? It wouldn't. You'd, you'd, you'd lose turn touch into with Scott everyone. Adams. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yes, precisely. Scott Adams makes way more money than Jeffrey Owens. How fair is that? Um, cartooning being apparently one of the few creative endeavors where if you're a comic strip artist, you can lock it down and make tons of money off residuals. But um, but also, I am serious that you can actually track a severe uh, decline in both the quality of the Dilbert comic strip and Scott Adams' seemingly emotional stability to actually becoming more isolated from him withdrawing from the workforce. Both because really? he's now cut okay. off. Yeah, both because he is now cut off directly from what was basically the source of his inspiration. Right. And relying exactly. on shit secondhand. And ah, two, yeah, that he's yeah. just 
apparently more and more, like, personally isolated. Ah, okay. That's interesting. So it kind of yeah, goes back he... to the whole Garfield thing, where it was originally a comic about being an unsuccessful cartoonist, and then all right. of a sudden, he became a successful cartoonist, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. what do? And he got a whole team of people to basically do the strip for him, is what happened. Yeah. Uh, I'll give Jim of... Davis That's... credit, though, because at least he picked his team generally well, and when it's yeah. when it was getting dragged for being declined in quality, there was a revamp, an effort to refix it, and that he has actually openly embraced and encouraged shit like Garfield minus Garfield. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and, and to be fair, yeah, he's got this team which actually has a name, they're the Pause Studio, yeah. P-A-W-S. Mm -hmm. And he seems to encourage them to do, like, they've there's all these Garfield related weird things uh, that were basically done by the team, uh, and I've got to assume, it's like, that's giving them a bit more credit than you would normally expect for something like that, whereas compared to, and of course, ghost artists and ghost writers for comic strips go way back. Yeah. Um, you know, Frank Frazetta got his start uh, ghost uh, writing and draw uh, well drawing at least ghost drawing um uh uh lavner uh back in the day mm -hmm. so the guy who created Lil lavner was just you know go out golfing and frank frazetta was doing the strip for him basically for a while uh, <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that does happen on uh, on this thing but yeah like uh if you ever saw the nine lives of garfield which was a comic and then a tv special um that was done by all the various pause people and it was kind of an excuse to just go wild and do whatever they wanted to that was very vaguely and tangentially related to Garfield. <laughs> like okay. that's it, the, the the tie to Garfield is just they all had a cat, and the idea was that it was Garfield in one of his nine lives, basically. Um, that was the only tie that it had. But it was it was letting the whole pause team kind of cut loose, and 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 they and they got credit for it, you know. So I, I'm assuming that, and there was another book uh, or two that they did that were kind of weird little Garfield side projects. Uh, so so you know he was kind of letting his team. Fly their wings. So yeah, give that for Jim Davis. He doesn't seem to want to hog too much credit. And again, I, I give him major credit for officially uh, licensing and giving permission for the Garfield minus Garfield. Yeah. 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 That's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, so it's he cool. He at least has he's... a sense of humor about things, if nothing right. else. Right. So. But yeah, as I was saying, yeah, it's, it's just, there are, I can think of so many people and they became famous and they just, and I think that's something creative people worry about too, is that they're going to become famous and never going to be able to, you know, uh, write again because they've completely lost touch with what it is to actually go out and live and be a normal human being uh, mm -hmm. because they're living in a mansion surrounded by caviar or whatever. So um, here's you know. the really, like, surreal thing. There are, like, interview quotes from Scott Adams of basically yeah. him being a f talking about how he's afraid that he's going to become what he has become today. Really? So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't he also uh, get a divorce, Scott Adams? Uh, he was did not get a divorce... God, how do I know this fucking bullshit? This and clowns. Well, I guess you have this a rivalry falls, with this falls yeah. under clowns. Um, he, <laughs> let's put it this way: he was engaged, and a marriage and a wedding never happened. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. And I mean that doesn't necessarily mean it happens because of yeah, cartoons, well, but no. You know. no. No, I, I 
yeah, let, fair, fair enough. Let's not speculate about his personal life. But you kind of feel like uh, no, you know, no, that. But I feel like I, I feel like uh, it's fair for at least me to speculate on my right. personal well, life. Yeah, because Scott Adams personally... has publicly speculated on my personal life on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes. that's true. For some for bizarre reason, he decided to single you out for no other reason than because you might have said something kind of bad about him once. But yeah, eh. yeah. Yeah, he atta- Ing, Ing and Scott Adams had a online beef uh, for briefly. Yeah. Uh, and Adams did go after him personally. as And basically he went, well, you're a- the same thing as this article that we're talking about. It's like, if you're unsuccessful. Yeah. Like, that was his ad- that was his attack, right? Yeah, it's just like, pretty much. Yeah. I remember it, it. And it's just kind of like, okay, I'm unsuccessful. What do? <laughs> I mean, just the fact that, you know, you... you it's such a fluke. I mean, even I feel like even early Scott Adams would have acknowledged that he never pretended he could draw very well. Oh yeah, definitely uh, I mean, not. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it's just a complete fluke that he succeeded, and you know someone else doesn't. I mean, hey, you're just starting out, so we're gonna see. But um, yeah, that's the other thing. Like he's he's a well-established lunatic. Uh, you're attacking someone who's just starting their career. It's kind of like, uh, why? Are you even, if you're even going to compare yourself to that, that's actually kind of pathetic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it's, you're blustering over, you know, you know you've, you're know you at the end of the finish line and you're yelling at someone who just heard the starting gun, basically. Uh, of course you're technically doing better, but <laughs> how insecure are you if that's your point of comparison, you know? Exactly. Anyway. So. Or the simple fact that there's definitely people who don't even know who the hell Scott Adams is. That's or, true. Or a lot of hair. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, at this point, in some sense, to give uh, some credit of fairness, if I'm remembering correctly, of the thing that he got mad at me for, because this was when he was really supporting Trump, and I might have, uh, might uh, have shared around the uh, fake Dilbert cartoon somebody did about Dilbert getting fired for being uh, photographed at the Charlottesville marches. Right. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's got some really... He gets ridiculous because he said, well, if Trump ever turns to fascism, I'll be the first one protesting him. And then people start saying... He might have also been mad at me for asking if he's uh, committed to that yet on a couple of occasions. Uh Okay, I'm not going to admit that there wasn't some sense of me trolling him to begin (laughs) with with this. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's fine. In the sense of full disclosure. Yes, fair enough. But, I mean... He's been ext- operating in very bad faith for a while, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, I think we should uh, wrap it up. We're past an hour and a half here, so we're getting oh, okay. to uh, the end of where we usually go for these things. Any mm. final thoughts on... Uh, does, does Scott Adams need a man with a mustache to straighten him out? Is that Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Mustaches on everyone. That'll make the world a better place. It's true. Oh, and we can nope. tie that into our Waluigi update. There we go. Is oh, is there, there a Waluigi, Waluigi update? update? No, I was just going to say that we can use that. Yeah. Hey, uh, mustaches, <laughs> that's our tenure. Wa- Waluigi update. He has a mustache. He still has a mustache. This is true. He does. <laughs> okay, actually, I do have a Waluigi update. Oh! Okay, alright, okay. let's hear it. Let's hear it. What is it? Fans' passion for Waluigi is fantastic, says Nintendo's Andrew Collins. And the 
And the uh, subtitle, uh, like the uh, money shot quote was, Let's face it, it's funny. <laughs> oh my god. And, put the link up. Put the link up. And uh, this is uh, from someone, Nintendo, basically uh, going and basically saying that, uh, yeah, we too here uh, find the stuff with uh, people's passion for Waluigi and being <clears throat> snubbed in Smash as uh-huh. that it is uh, amusing to us as well. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, we enjoy the memeability and the product, the youth demo that enjoys the yeah. ironic love of Waluigi. Please I, continue to do so. The actual quote is, I think it's great when something builds naturally, because, you know, as a marketer, when you have <laughs> something that goes viral like that, it's brilliant. You can't buy that. You can't create it. And when the fans uh-huh. do something like that, it's amazing. But it's so good to see from a passionate <laughs> side of things. And let's face it, it's funny. Well, there you go. That's I've a, seen some that's... of the artwork people have created, and it's fantastic to see their passion. Well, there you go. Well, <sighs> that's a very good attitude from a marketer at Nintendo. There you go. It's true. I, I applaud him. Yeah, you know, he is correct. And it is, it's good to know they appreciate what they have, because you can't buy that kind of... Thing when somebody starts enjoying a character like that, just organically. So Yeah, I can job. say that marketing agencies want to figure out what the hell goes viral and why, and <laughs> there's no way you can figure it out. There just uh-huh. isn't. It, things go viral, and they go viral. That's it. Stuff, <laughs> yeah, stuff hits the, basically hits the funny bone in the right way at the right mm-hmm. time, yep. and you can't intentionally create it. I remember... It's like a big criticism of the Sharknado movies. Right. In saying that what's good about, like, the movies that Sharknado is trying to be like is that there is an... er It's that there's the earnest attempt behind it and that anything funny is unintentional. Right. Mm -hmm. And that intentionally trying to create that is very hard. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And and I think with Waluigi, there is a... There's a, an element of the fans felt like they participated and helped create him because didn't it all come out of oh well if there's a Wa- Wario there must be a Waluigi like weren't fans saying that before they'd ever created a character officially Waluigi and kind of like apparently like, the first inclusion of Waluigi was in a comic one of the Nintendo comics probably in the in Europe somewhere yeah a uh, oh, European okay. one but it. Uh, Adam's right in that the appearance was basically the character that in comics the characters were wondering if there's a Wario is there a Wario version of Luigi and that's the first appearance of Waluigi yeah (laughs) yeah Yes, um, his presence was implied before he ever stepped onto the stage. Correct. So that's part, that may account for him developing a mystique <laughs> that people were sort of going, ah, well, there logically must be a Waluigi. Um, yeah, and that, so I think it's possibly true that the, the that made the audience, it flattered the audience a bit, and they, they saw it come into life. One thing and, I also think with the Waluigi is because he was initially... Uh, so he was effectively initially so hated. Yeah. That it basi- <laughs> yes. But it basically offered up the freedom that in terms of like, well, what can we do to characterize him and everything that 
opens up a lot of freedom because there's no expectations to ruin. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is where we got the glorious thing that's often cited as the start of his comeback into popularity for when they introduced his victory animation in the soccer game of him doing the crotch chops. Yep. <laughs> Because, be- yep. because yeah, okay, we got, like, there's a clear personality for our other villains and for the heroes where they can't be crude, but with this one, there's nothing, like, Man, to actually ruin by having him be as crude and as big an asshole as possible. <laughs> yep. Like that, and immediately people latched on to that, that that's amazingly funny. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There you go. Okay. Yep. Not to mention, was... he's only ever in all of the side stuff. He's never been in a main Mario game whatsoever. Right. So, that adds to the mystique of Waluigi. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. I think we mentioned it before that they've actually rolled with that into the characterization, into making him resentful that he's the yep. least popular person. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because he of only amazing. ever go-karts and plays dancing games with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, eventually, there's going to be a Waluigi starring game. There's been Mario starring games, Luigi starring games, and Wario starring games. So, so you know there has well, to be Well, there are Wario games. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's there are saying. Wario games. They're just no yeah. Waluigi, Waluigi does not even show up in the Wario games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like, that's how maligned he is. He doesn't even show up in his best see, friend's game. that makes him an underdog. Yeah. People like to root for the yeah, underdog. Yeah, yeah, that's right. why that's... people like him. And he's like, Nintendo has realized that and run with it. Like, in the Mario Odyssey, you can find a Waluigi costume. Because uh-huh. you can sh- uh, get costumes for Mario. And the flavor text on it... Uh, says that it's the Waluigi costume, and it's like, why it looks like this has hardly ever been used. <laughs> uh, what does does it give you any perks if you put it on? Uh, no, but it's it's no, there. it's just okay. a cosmetic one. Okay, uh-huh. like all the costumes are just cosmetic. Um, oh, okay. Sometimes in the game, having a certain costume causes characters to react to you and causes okay. an event to happen, but. Uh, ah, Waluigi with one, Waluigi. as far as I know, is just a cosmetic one. Okay. Right. Doesn't cause any of the female characters to run away shrieking. No. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. one thing I do know is that when you get to um, confront Bowser in it, depending on your costume, Bowser's dialogue may change. Ah, right. And I believe okay. in the Waluigi one... He, mm. like, legitimately doesn't recognize Mario for a minute. Who <laughs> <laughs> well, are you? Like, commenting, yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you before. Oh my god. Uh-huh. And also, like if it. Mario's dressed as Luigi, Bowser calls him, hey, it's what's-his-name. <laughs> <laughs> if Mario comes in dressed in Peach's uh, dress or wedding dress... Bowser actually compliments the dress and that Mario's looking fabulous and totally making it work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It is a very yeah, cu- that it's one. a very cute game. Yes. Aww. Yeah, people seem to love that game. Yeah. Like I say, bear I, I stand by this, I put this assertion down, someday there will be a Waluigi game. Uh, it will happen eventually. Uh, so look for that. Anyway, but let's uh, let's wrap it up for the evening since we're uh, we're well past the uh, the point of uh, of everything here. Okay. Um, so, of course, uh, I just did want to say all the links we've discussed in today's show are there beneath the video. Uh, you can leave comments. 
we do, uh, if you're not listening to this live, we do live stream it when we record it. Uh, if you follow our Twitter feeds, I'm at, uh, at Prankster36, Ing is at Ingdemit, and uh, Avi is Avi at Avi Viave. A-V-I-V-I-A. Not even close. It's okay. A-V-I. Yes. I'm spelling it. A-V-I-V-I-A-V-A-I. Right? Yeah. Okay. So there, just type it in. You don't have to listen to my, my weird Canadian spelling where I pronounce everything a boot right, but not quite right. Um, <laughs> if you like what you hear, please consider becoming a Patreon for one or both of us. We do have links again below. Me or Ing. And Avi has a, a Patreon now, too. Is that not correct, Avi? That is correct, but nobody has donated money to it, so it is empty, so I have not done anything with it. Well, there you go. Be, you can be the first to donate to Avi, and I'm sure she'll do something cool. She'll draw you something cool or something. Yeah, I, uh, so, I need to catch but, up on the work for my Patreon. <laughs> we all do. I just put some cool stuff up there. Um, if you don't mind me plugging a little, I'm going to have a new podcast launching. Uh very soon. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, it'll probably be a week or two. Uh, at the beginning of October, it's called What Mad Universe. I'm going to be working on it with uh, Phil Rice. Uh, it's going to be about like weird pulp and sci-fi and some obscure pop cultural links that we dug up. Um, so watch for that. We'll talk about it. I'll probably be hyping it on Twitter as well. Uh, also, shout out to Jack Furek, who wrote our theme song. Uh, and that's about all it is. So... You can follow one of all of us for updates on Twitter, as I said. Um, and uh, so, and to all of you, have a good night. Keep watching for that clickbait as it flies by your ear, and avoid it by all means necessary. Uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Goodbye to all. Bye. Bye. Bye.